This is Toastcaster, your communication leadership and learning lab, with your host, Greg Gazin. Episode 122, Setting a Guinness World Record, It Takes True Leadership, with our guests, Reverend Kevin Fast, Brittany Walsh, and Spencer Camerano. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Toastcaster, your communication leadership and learning lab. This is your host, Greg Gazin, and welcome back to yet another episode. Today, we're going to look at leadership. Now, it's not hard to admire great leaders. Think of some of their characteristics. What are some of the words that come to mind? Confidence, motivation, inspiration, courage, passion, commitment, innovation, and there's a whole lot more. Now, our guests today share many, most, and even more of these attributes. Now, you won't likely find any of them wearing formal business attire or perched behind a big oak desk or in a large office, but you will find them listed in the 65th edition of the Guinness World Records 2020, or they might just be associated with the organization. I recently had an incredible opportunity to speak with and hear stories from two Guinness World Record holders and also a judge. In case you ever wondered, what does it take to to achieve a world record? Or what can I do to become a world record holder? Now, my first guest is a record-breaking strongman. He could be best described as a modern-day Popeye. His name is Reverend Kevin Fast. He's a 56-year-old native of Coburg, Ontario, Canada. He holds not one, not 10, but an impressive 31 Guinness World Records. Now, some of his world record titles include the heaviest aircraft pulled and the most people supported on the shoulders of an individual. Now, if 31 is not enough, the remarkable Reverend Fast aims to complete three Guinness World Record titles a year. Reverend Kevin Fast, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. (laughs) An impressive 31 Guinness World Records. I struggled just to pull a sled with my brother on it. And you lift heavy things. Why lift heavy things? I think basically it's a curiosity. I think we all basically have a fascination with strength. I uh, have such a curiosity that um, I want to see if I can do something. For example, uh, I watched a fire truck being pulled on TV. And I called the local fire department and asked if I could borrow a truck to see if I could do it too. And that um, eventually turned into a Guinness World Record and the start of my career. Did you start off trying to break a record or were you just trying to see how far you could pull things? Yeah, it was just a curiosity to see how my strength compared to others. I I pulled a truck maybe 10 feet and then the fire department asked me if I would pull it for fire prevention week. And then the year later, people were asking, is that a world record? And that's when we contacted Guinness and Guinness said, nope, you got to follow all these rules and regulations. And uh, then we'll see if it's a world record. And then I finally, in 1998, set my first world record. Wow, that's absolutely amazing. I was watching a video for you, of you pulling the plane to Trenton, and it looks like you had a bit of a test run and then the actual pull. This plane is 416,000 pounds, and you pulled it 8.8 meters in one minute and 16 seconds. Describe what was going through your mind. Describe what that was like. Sure. Um, I got on site. I looked at the plane and immediately I was afraid because that thing was so big. (laughs) It looked like a football field on wheels, but I uh, hitched myself up to the plane 
and I started to pull and I used up all my energy in the first 45, well, first 10 seconds, but for 45 seconds, I pulled as hard as I could and nothing moved. And finally, something happened. I don't know, like something in me happened and the plane started moving. So it was a successful pull finally. That's why it took so long was 45 minutes of extreme effort. And then finally it decided to cooperate. So what's going through your mind at that point? Like, are you thinking, I just can't do this? <laughs> exactly. It's amazing how uh, much you think while you're doing these extreme things. I had uh, doubts in my head that maybe I shouldn't be here. And then I was uh, embarrassed. All these people had flown from all over the world to see this. And then um, I thought of my wife going, oh, what's he done now? <laughs> and then my uh, son was beside me, uh, cheering me on and hearing all the fans there yelling for me to uh, do this. So all this stuff was racing through my head. I wasn't going to give up. That was the bottom line, and it uh, paid off. Wow. What you're talking about reminds me of the Bugs Bunny cartoon with the singing frog, where the person decides he's going to get rich by showing everyone the singing frog, and when it comes time, they put him on stage, and they pull the curtain, and the frog just sits there and goes... And says, read it. What I find interesting is is your perseverance in the sense that sometimes we run through things or we go through things in our in our lives and we figure we just can't do it, we just can't move forward. But yet, when we see what you're trying to accomplish, I mean, standing there looking at you, looking at the plane, we're saying there's just no way, but yet you do it. What are your thoughts? What could you share with people with respect to persevering when they feel that they're at a point in their life or they're trying to accomplish a task and they just say, there's just no way. Exactly. This is a metaphor for life. No matter what is in front of you, uh, no matter how impossible it seems to get through, what you do is everything you can and use your determination, strength, the help of everyone around you. The most important thing you can do is just try. Uh, make an effort to get through. And uh, you may be surprised that you find yourself on the other side. <laughs> that's amazing that's just certainly some definitely some food for thought quite often when we think of the characteristics of leaders you know we think of people that are behind a desk or in a suit or standing on a platform talking but yet you just show this by by example i hate to say this my back just hurts just thinking about it i, I do have <laughs> a lower back injury H have you had any injuries I've been uh, very fortunate. I've been at this extreme strength for over 25 years, and uh, everything's good. I haven't even broke a, a fingernail. <laughs> well, that's kind of surprising. I mean, pulling on that rope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering if you have some ulterior motives for pulling all these heavy things. Yeah, so uh, most of my Guinness World Records are used to raise money for charities, the best one that I can talk about here is I pulled a house, a three-bedroom house. It weighed over 40 ton, and I uh, pulled it for five meters for a Guinness World Record, and we raised $70,000 for Habitat for Humanity. 70000 Amazing. Now, my understanding is that you're trying to complete three world records a year. You already have 31. You're trying to complete three more. Is there one record that perhaps you're the most proud of? Wow. I love doing all the records. You know what? I love raising money for charities, and I, I love accomplishing it. And also, I love 
getting that Guinness World Record at the end of it. It sounds crazy and sort of simplistic, but I'm a pretty simple person, and, and that's the truth behind that. No, fair enough. There's nothing like telling it like it is. Are we going to find all of your 31 in the Guinness World Records 2020? I believe they listed my last uh, record attempt for the heaviest vehicle pulled. And that was three aerial ladder fire trucks tied together, weighing 218,000 pounds. Holy smokes. That's absolutely incredible. Well, what we'll do is we will put some links into the show notes for maybe a couple of your videos and definitely a link to where you could find the latest edition of the Guinness World Records 2020, 65th edition. Reverend Kevin Fast, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with you this morning, and I wish you all the best on achieving more records. Thanks, and um, who knows, maybe there's some in your future. (laughs) Maybe something to do with podcasting, right? Our next guest is a multi-talented individual. She's a dancer, a gymnast, and a former circus performer, and she's a world record holder in acrobatic archery. Hailing from our neighbors to the south, from Portland, Oregon in the U.S., is Brittany Walsh. She's otherwise known as Acrobrit. Now, Brittany is featured in the Guinness World Records 2020 for the farthest arrow shot using feet. Now, if that's not enough, she's been immortalized in the form of a wax statue at Ripley's Believe It or Not. Brittany Walsh, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. So you're known as Acrobrit. Tell me a little bit about how you gained that title or that moniker. Well, I've been performing and practicing acrobatics for 14 years now, and pretty much all my friends and family have always called me Brit, short for Brittany. And so instead of just calling me the acrobat, they've now put the two terms together, acrobat and Brit, so acrobrit. <laughs> That's excellent. So your Guinness World Record is, maybe just describe it for us, please. Yes. So I hold the Guinness World Record for the farthest arrow shot using my feet while in a handstand. The distance is 40 feet, 4 inches, or 12.3 meters. That's absolutely incredible. Obviously, we're on an audio podcast, but if you could just describe, just describe how you go through that process. So I do my balancing on what's called handstand canes, essentially two steel poles with wooden blocks on top. And I load the arrow, um, my bow and my arrow in one foot and kind of kick up into a handstand on my handstand canes. And I draw the bow with my other foot and arch my leg over, aim at a target and shoot. It's quite the image. And we'll make sure we put a cop, we'll make sure we put, we post the picture of it as well. Now, again, similar to, to Kevin, how did you come about this? Like, where did the idea come from? So the idea for this trick started as a dare from a friend. <laughs> we saw a photograph of a woman doing this trick. It was in a really old circus book. And I had been doing gymnastics for many years up until this point, And the friend dared me to attempt this feat. We were bored that day, so we went to the local sporting goods store and picked up a kid's bow and arrow set, and I played around with it for a while and just kept 
working with it and practicing it and actually got the hang of it. (laughs) And how long did it take you to get to the point where you were actually hitting the target? It only took me a few weeks to learn the trick, but at least a good two years to master the aim. And it's something I am continuously trying to work on and improve upon. What are some of the things that you do to prepare? Really, it's just all about doing a good warm-up for me, getting the muscles warm and ready. I have a lot of little strength exercises I go through, as well as stretching and making sure my body just feels ready and good to go. Because I'm thinking about the skills that you would need. Obviously, you'd need to have strong You'd have to be very strong in terms of focus. You'd have to be a good, good at archery. You'd have to have a lot of balance. Obviously, you'd need some strength to keep yourself up there. And then almost, it's, you're almost like some respects a, a contortionist. Yeah. What are, what are some of the ways in terms of what skills do you figure that are, that are more important? Or are they all pretty much the same? They're really all very important. When people see me performing this trick, um, a lot of most people are impressed by the flexibility that's involved in doing it, which is definitely part of it. There is also a lot of strength required. You have to have a very solid handstand and be able to think about a million little different things while you're doing this. So maintaining balance, holding your strength and controlling the flexibility in the shape. And then also feeling the bow and the arrows in my toes while I'm doing it, focusing on the target. Yeah. And then also since I play a lot with a distance when I'm shooting and sometimes I use different types of arrows like suction cup arrows or flaming arrows. I'll aim at different targets. Sometimes I'll have a person hold the target and whenever there's different variables, you have to take those into consideration as well. Yeah, that's right. I was watching you load the arrow and I'm thinking, wow, you have to be able to to actually navigate and move your toes. I thought, that's pretty interesting. How did you start doing that? It definitely requires a lot of body awareness. I practiced just sitting down and holding the bow in my toes. That was kind of the first step. The bow itself is actually kind of heavy and takes a decent amount of toe and foot strength to hold it. And then also building the strength in the other foot to draw the string while I'm pulling. So practicing on my bottom or sitting down and then moving into more difficult shapes like in handstands. Because I notice there's lots of different moving parts. Now, are you using a special bow and arrow or just a standard off-the-shelf model? It's a compound bow designed for kids to use. So it's a little bit smaller, which helps for this. And I think I have the draw weight uh, currently set at about 17 to 20 pounds. So not too much, but a fair amount for, you know, using your toes. Now, I noticed that in one of your interviews, I can't remember whether it was an article I read, that when you're up there and you're getting ready to perform the act, you're not necessarily focusing on yourself. Um, When I'm performing for an audience, I'm definitely trying to be aware of um, how I'm feeling physically. But when I'm performing, I definitely get very filled from the audience and just 
I get very excited about sharing my art and my passion with them. And that's part of what I love about what I do so much is that I get to perform this for audiences, show them what I can do, share my artistry and creativity, and also share my impressive skills, hopefully, as well. <laughs> yeah, and they are impressive. I mean, I figure most people would be thinking, okay, just work focusing on the task, but yet you actually stop and listen to the audience. So even though you're in the most unusual looking position trying to fire an arrow, you're actually listening and trying to connect with the audience. That's absolutely incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's why I practice a lot. (laughs) Do both things at once. What did you learn about yourself in this process? I have definitely learned that I am capable of more than what I once believed that I was impressed myself in many ways by doing this. This has also helped me break out of my own shell in huge ways. I was very shy and quiet growing up and never liked to draw a lot of attention to myself. And also just was also very fearful of trying new and difficult things a lot. And especially through acrobatic archery, I you know, realized that I can do more that maybe I didn't think I could do before. And you just have to try. I mean, I think what's worse than not even trying something is to just not try and then maybe have regrets in life. So if you don't want to be noticed, this is certainly not the thing to do, (laughs) I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Finally, one last question. When you were first dared to do this, what was your reaction? What went through your mind? I laughed at my friends because... I thought he was totally joking. I never, ever would have imagined trying anything like this. And I I think it was really out of sheer boredom that day that I decided to try it. I was like, well, we don't have anything better to do with our time in this moment, so why not? And I'm so very glad I took him up on this dare. Wow. Well, Brittany, once again, thank you so much for being on the program. Congratulations on on your achievement. And you're also featured in the 2020 edition for the Farthest Arrow Shot Using Feet. Absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for having me. You're, you're most welcome. And last but not least, our third guest. <laughs> <laughs> she hasn't broken any records, but without the leadership, Spencer Camerano there probably wouldn't be any Guinness World Records. Spencer Camerano is from New York, and she's been a judge, or more appropriately called, an adjudicator for almost two years. (laughs) Spencer Camerano, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about how these world records are set and how they're judged. Sure. So there are two uh, routes. We have a research and records team. And part of that is that we're always on the lookout for incredible and amazing people who have skills that we can try and work with. And then we also have an application process because we think that any person is capable of attempting and breaking a world record. So we encourage everyone to try. So that process is they submit an application through the website and then it goes through our records management team and takes off that way. And when it comes to adjudicating, there are certain events where they will have an adjudicator come out and then we'll be there on the spot to judge the record and decide whether or not it is an official Guinness World Records title. 
Now, obviously, we don't have a lot of time to go through a lot of the rules, but is there a general rule of thumb for people who are thinking about, I'm going to set a world record? The general rule of thumb is to do it, is to try it. You know, we people are always surprised by what they're capable of doing. We're always surprised at Guinness World Records what people are capable of doing. You know, I've worked here for uh, almost two years, and in that time, I'm constantly surprised by the ability that people have and the perseverance and the passion that they have. So my suggestion is always to go for it. But obviously there's some things that it has to be, you have to be able to count it and measure it. I guess I assume you can't just say, well, I'm just going to set a world record for X, Y, Z. Right. So we have um, over 50,000 active record titles and those you submit an application for. Once it gets reviewed by the records team, you get sent guidelines that need to be followed and evidence that needs to be submitted. And so that would be, that's where you get those rules and what we need from the person who's attempting the record. And then there's also the possibility of setting a brand new Guinness World Records title that hasn't even been created yet. And so there's criteria that those must meet the big ones or that it has to be measurable, verifiable, breakable. And there are a few other options there that all of it's on our website for people that are interested in attempting their own new record. And as long as it fits our criteria, then we are happy to see it be attempted. Awesome. And again, the number of applicants you get every year, roughly? We get about 4,000 applications a month, give or take. About 1,000 new applications a week. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about you. What's it like to be a judge and why did you become one? (laughs) it's easily the most fun job a person could have. You get to travel, you get to see a lot of, uh, in my case, I get to see a lot of North America. So that's a fun aspect of it. And you get to see people attempt these incredible feats. And even though we do take our job very seriously and we take the integrity of our records very seriously. So myself and all of the other adjudicators are very well versed on the guidelines of that particular record title that we're watching. Uh, Even with all of that, it is hard to not be impressed by what you're seeing, whether it's an individual like Brittany or Kevin who are attempting incredible things or if it's a group. So the last time I was in Canada actually was for uh, the largest human image of a maple leaf. That was almost 4,000 people coming together to attempt something great. And so it's hard, you know, you get to see a lot of amazing things and you also get to be the person that makes sure that everything is done correctly and to the letter so that it is a brand new Guinness World Records title. Obviously, you have to be on your toes at all moments because you have to, <laughs> you give the final word. Yes, it is also a stressful job. I'm not going to not gonna lie to you. It's very fun, but it is very stressful because we do take our job very seriously and we know how important these attempts are to the people who are doing it and we know how much work goes into it. So we want to make sure that we come with the same level of preparedness and expertise on our end as the people who are attempting the record do. I once was a referee for hockey and I found that quite stressful to make sure that whoever scores <laughs> the goal, you need to know who scored the goal and who assisted and yeah. also making sure you make the right calls. You don't realize how fast things happen until you're the one who has to make the calls. Out of curiosity, what's the most unusual event that you judged? Unusual. I see a lot of people who think outside of the box when it comes to what it is they want to achieve and the best way for them to do that. So aside from the largest human image of a maple leaf, 
I also saw the longest cooking marathon where we had two different chefs cook for 42 hours. And so that was incredible to watch because talk about perseverance when you're having to do the same thing, same basic actions for 42 hours. That was incredible. And also more recently, I was the adjudicator for the longest feather boa. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, which was a little, it was 1.19 miles, I believe. It was four times uh, the length of the Empire State Building. They attempted it in New York City. So that was incredible because you get to see, as an adjudicator, you not only see the finished product, you not only see the attempt, but you also see all of the work that goes into it, which really gives you a whole new appreciation for all of our record holders. Wow, that's amazing. So you see these things every single day. What are your thoughts on the state of humankind? I know it's a broad question, (laughs) but just (laughs) what are your thoughts that go through your mind? This might be a bold thing to say in the current state of the world, but I have a good feeling about it (laughs) because we are never at a loss for people who want to try something new or want to inspire others. And the theme for our book this year is power your curiosity. So we hope that from the record holders that we have and from the attempts that people get to see and from our book and from all of the other media that we have, we hope that we inspire people to look for something that either they want to achieve themselves or use people like Kevin, like Brittany, like all of our record holders as an inspiration. You know what? Maybe I can do that thing that I wasn't sure I could do. You know, if they can do this, maybe I can do something that I've been thinking about in the back of my mind. So I have a good feeling about it. People seem to be, people always want to break records and people always want to try amazing things. And we're very appreciative of that. That's great food for thought. And, an excellent point to to end our conversation. Spencer Tamarano, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the program today. It sounds like you've got a pretty stressful job, but yet it's very, very exciting. And I, I think you've given us some, some really great food for thought in terms of not only the incredible things that people can do, but also the the inspiration, the courageousness, the passion that they show. Any final thoughts for someone who would like to pursue a Guinness World Record? My advice would be to not give up, to make sure that you do persevere. Sometimes the thought can be there and your first attempt might not be successful, but that doesn't mean that your second won't be or your third won't be the success, the one that you've been training for and looking for. So as someone who gets to see record breaking every day, uh, my advice would be to make sure that you keep going. Sage advice. Well, thanks to all of you to appearing on the program today, and I wish you all the best in your endeavors. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. I don't know about you, but I was pretty inspired, and perhaps I'll never break a world record, or maybe as we mentioned earlier in podcasting, but it certainly motivates me to keep doing whatever I want to do. How about you? If you want to find out more about the Guinness World Records or grab the latest 65th edition. You can get it at your favorite bookstore or you can get it online. And you can also visit GuinnessWorldRecords.com. And if you're a gamer, there's also a Guinness World Records Gamer Edition 2020. And that's a different book. This is Greg Gazin. Till the next time. Once again, this is Greg Gazin. We appreciate you tuning in. Now, I'm not sure how you joined us, whether you joined us through directly through Toastcaster.com or iTunes, but either way, you can pick up the podcasts there. 
If you really enjoyed the podcast, we'd really appreciate if you took a moment to leave us some feedback on iTunes because it really helps with our ratings. Plus, also feel free to drop us a line. Tell us what types of things you're interested in, what your Toastmaster specialty is, or what kinds of things you like to speak about. And perhaps maybe we'll even have you on the show. This is Greg Gazin. Till the next time. This episode was sponsored by Corey Outsmarts the Butterflies, a new book by Greg Gazin, geared to ages 8 to 80. Whether you want to improve your speaking skills or build your confidence, this short read is suitable for all ages. It's available at outsmartingthebutterflies.com. <laughs>